Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. The cognitive level of skill required to be a professional gamer and what's attributed to that is exactly the same as um, team sports. You know, you need to be analytical, you need to be strategic. So on on that side of things, it's building those capabilities. Uh, But there's always moderation, right? There's moderation in that. Yes, you're with Fortnite and stuff and you're having those social uh, interactions with your friends and stuff. But there comes a point where, you know, you, you do you can do that for a certain period of time, but you also need to have the other other aspect of it that you've got to you have to regulate that in somehow and like, okay, time to go outside and, and, and you know, do social activities. Welcome back to another action packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thank you to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, who are doing a great job in all our social media work and making us look far better than I ever could by myself. This week, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Eileen Bell. Eileen is Australia's first female professional esports player. For those unfamiliar with esports, it's a video game competition watched by millions of people globally each year, often at stadium field events. Esports has grown significantly over time, and now the esports market is valued at over $1.5 US billion worth and projected to grow to nearly $6 billion US dollars by 2029. It is estimated that in the US this year, around 16% of the population will watch esports at some stage. Eileen now provides consulting and coaching on esports, gamification, cybersecurity, and digital and transformation strategy. I enjoyed Eileen's competitive nature, her insights into gamification and new technology modalities, as well as her vision of what's to come in our ever more digital world. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Eileen as much as I did. So we made it happen, Eileen. Welcome to the podcast. We did, Mike. Thank you so much. I know um, it's taken us, what, a year or two to finally get to this point during COVID and all that. But, um, you know, our calendars have finally aligned. Yeah, I think, um, look, the, the main thing is I'm on a holiday now and you're about to go on a cruise, which is really exciting. I was a little bit concerned about how you're going to keep up your esports training and your gaming <laughs> commitments, uh, but presumably you'll take a little break and just enjoy the um, the holiday. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I can't wait. I haven't been on a cruise before, so I, I guess uh, I have to be forced to, you know, eat and drink my way through 10 days, which is um, not too bad. Yeah, apparently the eating options on cruises are phenomenal. So enjoy that and um, yeah, you have a ball. Now, look, I heard about you a couple of years ago because mm. I, as, I, as I do, I was just trawling across um, social media and, and just yeah. read about your, your story just being one of the, the first award-winning esports um, gamers, female esports gamers in Australia yeah. and also in the cybersecurity space and just fascinated to hear a little bit about your journey um you know uh, are an esports consultant and cyber expert so want to hear everything how you got into the space was it gaming first was it cyber first kick us off yeah sure no problem well it's definitely it's definitely uh uh uh, esports and gaming first right so oh gosh i'm just putting my age here but i've been doing it since i was about three years old so i got into it really early i know it's weird 
sort of super nerd. Um, and I guess, you know, it really took off about, oh, it's hitting me here with the years, but about 2007, 2008, um, they had this, you know, TV show over, um, overseas going to Asia and um, the States. And I thought, okay, well, you know, pretty good back then. So why not join up? And, um, you know, got into it that way and, and went overseas, taught Kim Kardashian to play Xbox, you know, pretty cool <laughs> stuff. It's my claim to fame. So, um, so wait, 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 wait. What, can we, like, continue, but then let's come back to that because I feel like you can't just gloss over that bit. Can't just gloss over? No, well, um, for one of our promos uh, at the time, we had her come in and, and you know, um, do some promo work. So we were sort of hanging out with her and she's, she, she's a lot shorter in, in real life than you'd expect, but lovely, lovely lady. Um, so, you know, that was in 2008 and, and it was a great experience. Um, and I'm just going to plug in here. I was undefeated in Asia, of course, as you do. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it sort of kills me now because we didn't have, you know, YouTube and Twitch and all of that sort of online streaming stuff back then, which is, you know, the gamers now and streamers now are making millions off it, okay? So it's a little bit of a, a sore subject for me, as you can imagine, because I too could have been making millions, but here I am. Um, and so that was when, you know, when we look at esports as a, as a whole, it, and it is now and how much it's grown and where did it come from, right? This was actually sort of the foundational, I guess, little tentacles that went out was back in 2008. Um, but when sort of that was happening, you know, the old days where you, you had a competition and you brought your whole computer to, you know, a uni hall or something, you actually did that. And then, and so what happened, unfortunately, in 2008 was there was a, a global financial crisis. So when the interest started to peak, it then obviously, you know, just dropped completely. And it wasn't until the online services, Twitch and all of that sort of stuff, people picked up interest again. And now it's blown out of the water in terms of, you know, the, the industry size is hundreds of billions. The eyeballs on, you know, a stream is is phenomenal. Um, and what's interesting about esports is that it's for all demographics. While people think it's just, you know, oh, well, what is someone young watching it, which it is, it can be. There's all these other sort of um, aspects to it. And as to the reasons um, it's blowing up, and feel free to sort of, you know, if you want to interrupt me at any time. Um, yeah, so I've got a number of questions. I mean, yeah. I mean, like the story of esports, I think is fascinating because I grew up a geeky gamer as well. I didn't start yeah. at three. Uh, I wish I had started <laughs> at three. Might actually be a bit better at the games. Um, but, um, like, the idea that sports would become um, something that was a competition in their own right and that um, you see these great documentaries where they've got stadiums full of mm. um, paying yeah. fans who want to sit there and watch their mm. favourite stars mm -hmm. compete in eSports, mm -hmm. like, that is an amazing leap. Did you ever see that coming from sort of your early days competing? Mm. To be honest, I did, and I'm, I'm kicking myself for it. I remember... I was sitting, it was after the tournament, okay, 
And this is when we went back. So I would have been 21 or something. And I was coming back from it. And I thought, wow, it's such a good experience. It's so great. And I thought, this is, if this, if they're starting to look at it now, um, you know, we don't, I looked at it back in, into Australia and there wasn't any sort of online, I guess, tournament hubs that all the esports players could go to at that time. And I thought, oh, maybe I should just start a website that, that just holds sort of tournament information, right? And, and I thought, oh, that would be really big, kicking myself once again, as if I started it back in 2008, again, you know, that sort of thing. Because I did, you know, having a, a business background, I did see the, I guess, trajectory of where it could go, even from that conception stage, you know, just making it on screen to the TV because of how popular at that time it was in China and and sort of Pacific Asia and countries and things like that, or Pan-Asia, sorry. So, yeah, and it's definitely, you know, as, as it, it's an interesting one because as the digital realm evolves overall and digital transformation, it seems to be that esports is actually keeping up in with that trend So because it is a totally digital format. So if you yeah. look at it in terms of, trajectory of and you know look at even chat gpt that's out all these things it's actually esports is keeping in mind they're even doing stuff with ai and things like that so it's actually a spot like they're intertwined and so yeah. i think that you can definitely see that continue to rise um as digital does of course yeah and so just to give people a sense of the size and the scale of esports mm. today and what mm. it means i mean what kind of crowds are coming to watch esports at major tournaments? And mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm semi-aware that there are well-funded teams now that are yeah. fully sponsored. The gamers yeah. are on sal- salaries and whatnot, and mm-hmm. prize money as well. Correct, correct. So we were, as an example, we were on a salary back in 2008. Oh, I can't recall. It would have been, you know, uh, I don't know, 50k or something like that back in there. So that was good back then. And now they're on sort of million dollar contracts um, for these sort of teams. Some are, some are earning just you know exorbitant amounts more than that. But I guess um, the teams and the crowds that they're drawing. Unfortunately, we don't see it so much here in Australia because of the geographic region of it all. But what we're looking at in terms of particular Asia and Europe and the states is they're drawing huge crowds, sellouts. Um, you know, they're even streaming their tournaments online, pay-per-view, um, all of this sort of stuff. And when you, if you're looking at it and people are like, oh, well, whatever, that sort of is the same as, you know, NBL, whatever, you know, NFL like that, it's actually the viewership has surpassed NFL and NBL and all of that combined viewership just for one tournament sometimes because what happens is you're getting not only views from uh, uh you know in that location it's all over the world um and that's it. when you're looking when you're coming from a advertising lens or a lens of uh a business and branding you're thinking oh, then this is why their their sponsorships are huge they're being sponsored by mercedes they're being sponsored by bmw you know, all of this sort of stuff. And that's the reason because they make, it's making so much money. 
It's phenomenal. It's really quite amazing. And I, I just wonder for yourself, how did you mm. feel as a, as a, a young um, woman um, entering this space? Uh, were there many other women doing esports? I mm. mean, what's the ge- gender sort of representation now? Is, are they fairly mm-hmm. diverse, the gamers? Because I think when I last saw a documentary, I mean, the teams sort of mainly um, look like young men. Um, but how <laughs> is it shaping up, shaping up now? Yeah, good question. I mean, I remember when I first started doing it. I played a bit of Counter-Strike, a bit of other things. So, you know, it, I was one of, you know, five I could think of back in the day just on my hand in Australia that were played, right? But now gender representation overall, I think, is definitely 50-50. And when we're looking at, when I say 50-50, when we're looking at casual gaming, and I say casual gaming in terms of PlayStation, and just, you know, just buying a game and whatever. If not, it might even be more... Um, geared towards females as well now. When we're looking at the esport side of things, there is still a lack of uh, female representation at the top level, unfortunately, which you can see. Um, so, and you know, there are a few reasons behind that. Um, from my perspective, um, I think that um, generally it's how uh, how the skill level, of course. At, at an esport level, that's when you're looking at um, um, pro, um, and I think that um, females in particular aren't getting enough um, inclusion or uh, the opportunities to, um, I guess, develop their skill at that level. Because when you're looking at it, the teams of, you know, if we're, if I take an example of Counter Strike, for instance, team of five guys, it's and they're always usually playing together or whatever. So it's it's a it's, it seems to be that um, they're not getting the exposure and opportunity. Um, I think it would be the main main reason. I mean, there's definitely female teams out there that are doing really well. But when you're looking at that top million dollar um, uh, branches of stuff, it's very yeah, it's it's very um, uh, needs some diversification, shall we say. <laughs> what what do you think attracted you to um, esports and just video gaming in general in the first place? What, what was it that sort of um, got you from just say a casual uh, trier of games to yeah. somebody who really wanted to go deep? Yeah, good question. Um, so I guess I am extremely competitive by nature. So I was always playing sport at school, um, always doing competitive traditional sports. I basically played everything. Um, and I think that because I'd already loved gaming and it's so, it is really social. Uh, and I'm 20 out of 20 extrovert over here. Um, so it was the fact that, you know, I could do something that I loved, um, get paid for it. Um, and that competitive aspect of it. And at that time to have the opportunity at 21 to go overseas and play, um, it was just awesome. So, you know, those sort of things, um, and yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to get paid for what they love doing, right? <laughs> it, makes total, it makes total sense. What you raised there mm. before, I think, is quite an interesting, um, maybe perceived contradiction. I mean, you said that you're a 2020 extrovert, but I reckon a lot of listeners might think, oh, gamer, probably just a huge introvert who just <laughs> likes to sit with a nappy on in a duck um, yeah. <laughs> you know, cafe 24 hours a day. Yeah. Did you, yeah. in your experience, are a lot of gamers extroverts? And, and, and like, I understand that gaming's also changed a fair bit. So when you're mm-hmm. actually playing games in esports, you're actually talking to other people and being That's social right. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Ah, oh, it's a good question. I think it's like anything. It's like if I if you look at it like a a workplace really now, right? Because it is if you look at the esports, I mean, you know, gaming has all types of people. But as you've made a really good point in terms of now it's not just sitting behind a computer screen. You're actually branded out now. So what they what is some of what they're looking for? And because you're a brand ambassador, right? You can't have someone that doesn't have um the ability to be able to represent a brand or not just the ability but just the general you know uh, package and what you're looking for are you marketable are you good with the cameras uh, can you hold a conversation you know all of that sort of stuff um because there's a lot of money behind it now you have to be not only you know really good at your sport but really good at um being able to communicate and and you know sell the brand and sell the brand as not only yourself as a brand but also who you're representing and who you're sponsoring. Yeah, no, look, that, that's a really good point. And, and another thing that you raised that I thought was interesting was just around the GFC and the the impact of sort of global crises on mm. gaming and um, mm. always been interested, like obviously um, people might think that the lockdowns and COVID might have been a time mm. when game, gaming exploded because let's be yeah. honest, there, was, there wasn't a lot to do if you're in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What what did what, what did you see happening? What anecdotally were you hearing about um sort of the, the levels and the interest in, in gaming during those dark periods of the past few years where there wasn't a lot of opportunity for social contact externally? Yeah, yeah. So I mean you saw a huge spike in gaming across that time, as it did, you know, with Dan Murphy's and, and sort of alcohol sales as well. It just went up, right? Because there was nothing else to do. So uh, you know, during that time, I think that's when people at home, you look at, as an example, um, uh, TikTok, right? Some people were using it. But when COVID happened, it exploded because people were so bored. And that's the only thing that people could do to have a bit of fun. And same with uh, gaming sales and everything. That went up too because, you know, people didn't really have anything else to do. Therefore, the interest in, like, what's esports? People got more interested in that and watching other people. And so there was more of an interest at, at that point. And then when we're looking at coming out of COVID, there was more awareness. There was more people interested. The Obviously, you know, from a business perspective, investments went down during that period in time. But then when it comes even now to 2023, looking at what is happening in the world, the people are turning to digital investments and and different, uh, I guess, non-traditional ways in which they can, uh, I guess, um, attach themselves to for various things. Now, as an example, what's um, happening right now in uh, Australia, we're looking at, you know, not obviously people can't get the differences uh, confused between general gaming and gaming called gambling, but we're looking at now they're bringing in a, a cashless uh a gaming card, which is going to restrict pokies, which obviously equals revenue for not only NRL clubs, but pubs and what's going to happen. So, you know, there's actually a really interesting space now to be, okay, well, how are they going to make up that revenue? Things like esports, right? So it's like, what are we, how can we integrate very different traditional forms of what we'd usually do? So based on that sort of stuff, you're really looking into at, at interesting territory, yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the positive or light side of gaming and then also the dark side and some of the misperceptions um, in between. Yes. 
Um, is it the case that every young person that starts to play Counter Strike is going to become um, a serial killer? <laughs> yeah, a good question. That's funny. I mean, I, I watch um, true crime docs on the reg, so I, don't know, I could probably be one as well. But I think um, it's not. It, it, you're just not right. It's 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 a, a misconception that you know, game people that game they're going to have violent games. They're going to turn out violent. Like, come on, guys. It's basically, it's about, it's a couple of things. So people watch, what you know, you have to look at it and go, what's the difference between watching a, a, an action film that's exactly the same as opposed to gaming? Yes, you, you're, you're sort of involved in a way, but it's more around, there's, you look at things that what makes up a serial killer or what makes up someone that's violent, and it's not, you know, they're attributing factors to that. You know, you, you're born. You're born with it. Not to be like a Maybelline ad, but you know, there are there are biological factors. <laughs> you know, you're born with it. It's not that's a, that's you're not a, a great, serial killer. That's a great Maybelline reference in yeah, the midst right. of serial killer you're analysis. Maybelline. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, there's Look, a I threw you an intentionally curvy curveball there because I don't no. think that there there is much of a correlation or association at all. No. But I think that I think it's a fear based assumption. And I, yeah. I wonder, do you have kids yourself? No, I don't. So do you think? I mean, I got a, a kid who's only eight months, mm. so it's not really relevant. But I wonder, yeah. is it if you were if you did have kids and you saw them playing Fortnite uh, a lot and obsessively and on the iPad yeah. and playing these these games a lot. Would you be thinking, wow, here are some problem-solving opportunities for kids to really develop cognitive skills in an interactive Mm -hmm. digital space that's quite Mm -hmm. positive? Or would you also be balancing that with uh, this kid who's playing these games is going to um, not develop proper old-style social skills that we need connecting Mm. with other people? Because Mm. from what I hear, um, a lot of these kids who are playing Fortnite are actually playing in teams with their friends and talking to them after school on the the headsets. So I think as parents, there's a lot to kind of get your head around, isn't there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's a lot of um, points that you brought up there. And, And I think that... Like anything, because um, I did a lecture at Sydney Uni um, once on the, the concept of the cognitive level of skill required to be a professional gamer and what's attributed to that is exactly the same as um, team sports. You know, you need to be analytical, you need to be strategic. So on, on that side of things, it's building those capabilities. Uh, but there's always moderation, right? You, you, there's moderation in that. Yes, you're with Fortnite and stuff and you're – having those social uh, interactions with your friends and stuff. But there comes a point where, you know, you, you do you can do that for a certain period of time, but you also need to have the other, other aspect of it, which I did as well, was yet I just spent time gaming, I loved it, but you've got to, you have to regulate that in somehow. I'm like, okay, time to go outside and, and, and you know, do social activities, do stuff out there. You know, there's a, there's a balance for everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really, really well said. And I, like, I one thing I don't understand, which obviously the younger generation does get, I think I'm a bit aged out in that space, is like, what is the appeal of watching somebody else play games when you could be playing games yourself? And, and like, maybe mm-hmm. an extension of that is, do you watch other people play games? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. So there's a few, there's a few reasons I think. So one is you want to learn how to get better yourself. So that's you obviously done by watching other people. There's the social aspect to it. So 
when you're in a in a chat channel and you're watching someone, you're interacting with other people, and you know it's it's quite um quite an interactive forum. Thirdly, if you know you're watching perhaps one of your famous favorites, you know I guess you could say idol, esport idol or whatever. There's actually really this is the one key point that's different to traditional sports. You can actually interact with um your idol, I guess in a way that they might respond to you or, you know, it's actually a much more personalised experience than if you were watching, say, you know, you're a cricket fan, Michael Clark, or, you know, one of, you know, um, the rugby guys or whatever. It's, it's you know, a lot more personalised. And I think that's a really interesting um, way to look at it, that you know, why would you watch it? Because it's it's a whole different experience in itself. Um, and interactive, and 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 I guess if you're interested in in gaming, then you know it's an interesting way in which you can. It's just like watching TV, really. You know. And, and I'm just curious, how do you think gaming has made you better at life generally, both professionally and in your personal life? Because I think you know I've got a view that um, the games that I've played have helped me, the the, the better ones in a lot of ways, mm. and I really. Find that they've given me a lot of uplift. I'll give you some examples yeah. soon, but I'm keen to hear yours first. Sure. Yeah. Look, I think it's been it's been a really great experience for me because it's opened a lot of doors and avenues and discussions for me in terms of things that I wouldn't have thought that I'd do in life. I think um, an interest that I wouldn't have thought of before. You know, that's sort of one of the things that led me into cyber, as, as I guess, and digital transformation. I think that it's definitely given me resilience because I started so young. So resilience in terms of, um, you know, in the workplace and even outside the workplace, you know, if, you, if you're in tough positions or or um, socially, you just, you know, someone's, I don't know, everyone's a bit of a, um, can be a bit rude sometimes, or you know, I was trying to think how to how do I phrase this nicely. Um, and and that is a, that builds that resilience. It builds you know um, a lot of social skills. Um, and also, you know, it's finding um, yeah, as I said, it, it was just a really fun activity for me, right? So I think in those sort of things, and and cognitively, I think that my process and my type speed is ridiculous. <laughs> when you're looking at it at hard facts, um, yeah, yeah, really fast. <laughs> and that sort of, um, you know, and it, it, it's just been, it's been a really good experience overall, yeah. And so it's led to a career for you as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, um, I do esports stuff like just by consulting and and not so much the playing side of things anymore. But it's, it's really interesting for me career wise. It's a fantastic um, uh, for customers, uh, you know, a, a great topic starter. Um, and still even now, because eSports is, is still blowing up, I still get, you know, emails and calls and things all the time to to um, to have a chat and, and do what I can or consult. And it's just, you know, it's just been great. And it's something, again, like I mentioned before, something that I love doing and I can incorporate it, particularly when, you know, when you look at this the gamification, which is a huge topic, right? You, what, yep. you use all of the sort of e-sport skills in that, yeah. Yeah, um, so a few quick-fire ones, Xbox or PS5? PS5. Okay, because uh, I've been having a long debate with my friend about this. He's just got the new Xbox, so I'm considering the PS5. <laughs> Why PS5? 
Um, I moved away from Xbox a while ago. I think for some reason I I just prefer it. But the games were better at the time, and I also have a PC. So any of the a lot of the time the games that come out on Xbox you can get on PC. So that, for me, it's a no-brainer. I can then cover all my bases. Okay, fantastic. Good answer. Favorite current games that you're playing? A Call of Duty, as always. And as of today, I will be playing Harry Potter, Hogwarts Legacy. So keen to leave work, even though it's eleven thirty. Um if my boss is listening, I'm not leaving yet. <laughs> <laughs> we will not disclose when or any of the details or metadata around this podcast. So you're I'm in totally the safe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think well, I, I said to you before I was going to talk to you about some of the things that I've learned from gaming or what's yeah. what's been good for good for me. I mean, there's the mobile phone games like um, Wordle. I got really into for a while, yeah. and I started playing with my wife, and we love it. Um, not not addicted. I, I tend to not get addicted to games as much as some others. Words with friends, absolutely love. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I play some other games as well, like flags. I'm really interested in like trying to um, get better at countries, capitals, and flags, and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, that's the more geeky phone-based games. When it comes to um, like actual PC games, there's only one game that I've played consistently over the past decade, and it's so geeky. <laughs> but I want to I want to make the confession to you now and the yeah, listeners. Um, Civilization Five. I love that. You know game. that game? Yeah, of course. It is the mm. ultimate game of it's nerdy yeah it's just it's total nerd it's so nerdy that not even, i don't even play the current current version because i don't think it's good oh really five, <laughs> you're that five. level of yeah i'm it. that level I, i'm still buying the mods the dlcs and the extensions to five because um i work in strategy um yeah. and i think as somebody who's interested in strategy beyond the actual work side of it, yeah. um, you're basically in control of developing an empire from, you know, 3,500 yeah. or 4,000 BC up yeah. until the modern era, competing against several other city, states and empires. Mm-hmm. You've, got to bal- you've got to balance politics, culture, yeah. dipl- diplomacy, religion, arts. Um, it's like the I- workplace. Yeah, it, it's it? like for me as 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 training, like it's like the yeah. ultimate test for life, like the four dimensionality of totally. life, really. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I think that's that's a really good geeky example of where games can actually help mm. you, even as an adult. Um, yeah. Be better. Be better at life. Yeah. No, that's a really really good point. I think um something that I'm finding really interesting at the moment that um, Westmead um are doing really well is looking at, you know, when you're starting to move into the, the VR realm and there's stuff that they're doing there is being able to train on serious critical cases yep. in, you know, that VR where you wouldn't normally have that. You can't just make mm. someone have a cardiac arrest or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So we're seeing yep. some yep. really awesome stuff come out for, for real-life application and how we're thinking about training and learning and, and all of that sort of stuff, which I find interesting. And, and I was going to sort of ask you about what are your most um, interesting or like exciting applications of gamification in in both transformation and app development and um, and you know all this kind of um, workplace stuff and the sectors that are going deep. What have you seen that has really kind of taken you and sort of said, oh wow, is it a combination of gamification, AI, GPT, and other things, VR, or what are you liking mm-hmm. at the moment that you're seeing? Yes, yeah, so a lot of the VR stuff that I just mentioned, obviously, um, I'm finding that really interesting because particularly in the medical space, because it's just it's things that you're creating that 
there's so important solving problems that are so important. It's basically life saving, right? So stuff like that, and then gamification is starting to be used uh, in a variety of industries, but it's more so around a lot of. It's interesting. A lot of the applications and things are coming into um, learning and how in the ways in which we learn, but to make things a lot more interesting or. Um, because at the core of it, gaming is skills, really, and it's the focus around skills base. It's sort of how can we use that concept to actually increase our own skill sets? Mm. So I'm finding that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a combination of how we use gamification and it's also how we use digital technology. Because obviously gamification is that concept, but it's combining those to be, to say, okay, as a, as a organization, what do I need to improve in my business or what do I want my employees to improve in and then apply those different technology bases or and gamification. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen too much that impresses me just yet. I think it's early days, but mm. you know a lot more than I do so far. But yeah. one thing I did see that I thought was really cool is um the use of um, VR and AR to try and um, help people, young people in particular, um, engage in industries that are understaffed and under-resourced. So, yeah. for ex- example, the disability care sector um, yeah. just doesn't have enough young people entering that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw a terrific um, a- application or demonstration where you got um, you put on these goggles and it's an AR situation and you walk into like mm. a disability care home mm. and, you, and you sort of, it's like a day or like the first few hours of what it's like to be a disability care worker for young people. Yeah. And they, they found some pretty amazing results in terms of the number of young people who were yeah. um subsequently interested or progressed to apply to train in those um, fields just from that yeah. exper- experiential sense of what is it actually like to do this as a job? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think it's it's those types of things that really excite me, right, because it's it's that the way in which, you know, how you can apply it to it's, it's fine, you know, any organisation can, can benefit, but it's when you're benefiting really social um um, I guess you know, um, being socially conscious and 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 how you can actually develop the community and and that sort of stuff, I find really you know in health and and that is just for me that point where we got to now in life with with gaming and all of that stuff, that it can actually start to make huge huge impacts, um, which is super exciting. Tech you, you in general and at home and in life, are you the kind of person who wakes up and it's like, Google, turn on my shower, turn the lights, take <laughs> my coffee? Like, how do you operate um, uh, on a daily basis given your deep tech background? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm not into the like, Google, turn my lights on or anything like that. I'm not that level yet. I've thought about going down that path. But I thought this, because I do get really weirdly obsessive with technology and I'm like, okay, you've just got to draw some boundaries with yourself. The most techie I think I am now is just setting reminders for myself because I forget everything. So I'll be like, Siri, um, remind me at X time to, you know, to do this because otherwise my life would be an absolute mess. Um, and in terms of just because you've got a great background in cybersecurity as well and Mm. all the breaches that have happened um, have terrified a lot of people Mm. are you doing things differently or taking additional precautions in your own life to be more sort of cyber safe yeah that's a good question 
So, I mean, I think well, even my one of my passwords was was taken, but I've got a variety of different ones, and that was one from you know ages ago. But I think I because I grew up, uh, I guess, very in a technical world, I've always been very um, conscious about the passwords that I use and and things like that and security measures that I take. But I think in terms of what we're looking at in the growth of the cyberspace is it's it's unfortunately it goes the other way where we see esports and digital transformation go up together. It's cybercrime and and cybersecurity what will be keep going up as well. Uh, because it's just the, the and you look at something like chat GBT or what's happening with AI, it's it's going to keep developing as well. So while we can say, okay, these are the ways to stay, not to freak everyone out. But these these are the ways in which we can stay safe now. It's really important to stay on top of the the trends and on top of what's happening in cyber, on top of the ways in which technology is advancing and things. How how you see technology because that's what will actually keep you keep you cyber safe, I suppose, as well. Talking about a few sort of practical examples, um, are you multi-factor authentication on all devices? Are you VPN? How how do you kind of roll in that sense? Yeah, all of those things, always. Okay. I always yep. have multi-factor. Um, and, and there's different security layers. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if you know, but there's sort of you have the, the, the general layer of security, but there's also a lot of other ones that you can put in place. Network security, um, so many different ones. So I think it's important to have everything, particularly, I mean, if, if you're worried about um, a cyber attack or whatever, um, from an individual perspective, organisations would always have it, of course, but but from an individual perspective, um, for sure, yeah. Um, two more questions. One is, mm-hmm. do you ever feel the need to do digital detox or to sort of take mm-hmm. some time away from technology? Yeah. Um, I try to. Uh, I guess, um, I mean, I'm a huge one of those people that just picks up their phone automatically scrolls Instagram and Facebook even if it's not really doing anything. I'm that person. Uh, I've I've started to use um, Messenger and and you know less I think this year. Um, but I do sometimes put my phone down when particularly if I'm on holidays and you know go for a walk or whatever. And sometimes use days where I just don't look at it. I find it hard not to look at my phone obviously when I'm at work and things like that. But definitely, I think the, the the detox will come when I'm on the cruise and actually have no internet. So <laughs> it's maybe like a forced one to me, but um, I definitely encourage it. You know, sometimes because you can get distracted and it does take away from what you know, just being in the present sometimes, which is really important. Absolutely. And my last one would be just like, how do you balance um, all your responsibilities? I mean, you've got a, a pretty full on job. Um, mm-hmm. You've got the esports consulting. Plus, um, you're probably doing still a little bit of gaming yourself. Um, yeah. How do you get it all done? And do you have a system or it's just sort of juggling? Yeah. No, well, most obviously, you know, my day job comes number one, but I know that that's you know, um, eight to five, but can extend past that. But usually I spend um, a little bit of time in the morning and obviously after work to focus on sort of the the extra stuff that I do because I do enjoy that. So for me, it's not work. So it's kind of like I'm doing a hobby anyway. Um, and then, you know, when I, I notice I've been gaming a little bit less because I'm making priorities for the rest of the stuff. 
So that's gone down. But I guess, yeah, it's like anything. It's just making sure that your priorities are lined up and, and, and what needs to be done. And you can fit anything anything in a week and, and whatever as long as you, you, you plan it out properly, yeah. Geeky final question. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking a little bit about um, getting the PS5 and the, the sort of VR2, the next-gen yeah. VR system. Do you think that's the most exciting VR um, system that's sort of on the horizon? I think so. I think that they're all a little bit similar and they all have different purposes, I suppose. So obviously PlayStation 1 geared for for gaming specifically, but then there's other ones that are that are sort of coming out that are more for um, training purposes and, and things like that because when you – different goggles, right, because if you're looking at something that just does basic stuff that you want for training – that you don't want the um, hardware to be expensive, then you know you you go down that path. But um, I think it's really I can't wait to get my VR. Actually, it's made me think about it. Hey Siri, set room. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well said. It's so hey, it's been, now. <laughs> been uh, wonderful chatting and connecting with you. Uh, how can people um, connect with you and learn a bit more about your work? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I can pop the LinkedIn um, and give that to you afterwards if you want. Um, and then obviously my email and all my contact details I'll leave with you. If people want to send me a message, you know, feel free. Are you on the socials? I am on the socials, but the socials that I find are mainly for my private socials. <laughs> yeah, no worries, I don't no use worries. them for anything else these days. Yeah. No worries. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks so much for being with me. Uh, Hang on. We'll have a good debrief. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.